0: Thank you for joining the Roche Republic podcast. In our second episode, your hosts, Adrian Klee and Mikko Rikinen discuss the next frontier of finance. Embedded banking enables brands to redefine their value proposition as a user-centric innovator, launch their own financial services tailored for specific target groups, and create additional revenue streams. Any brand or business with strong brand equity or distribution power has now the opportunity to seamlessly integrate financial services into their own customer journeys. This has been made possible by Banking as a Service platforms which provide the necessary building blocks such as accounts and payments or cards via easy-to-use APIs. Here is Adrian Claire from Roche Republic to kick off the Embedded Banking podcast. Okay, then let's start with the second episode, Banking as a Service and Embedded Finance. Yes. Um, so, yeah, just as a quick definition of what we mean by embedded finance and basically it's about enabling any business so not just fintechs but really anyone from telcos to energy companies to software as a service providers to manage and sell innovative financial services seamless seamlessly integrating creative forms of payment debit credit insurance or investments into their end user experience so um and i think what's important to this whole embedded finance trend is that if you really want to um, really integrate financial services into your value propositions, you need someone that is providing the infrastructure and is providing the cards, someone that makes sure that the payments that you want to offer to your users um, can be made. And this is done by some new form of infrastructure provider, which is called uh, banking as a service provider. And um, yeah, so that's that's how we see it. That The banking as a service providers are now behind this whole wave of embedded finance and um, usually those banking as a service providers are a new breed of of tech company that is built around the cloud and APIs and um, most or some of them have also own banking licenses, others don't. I think that's also an important distinction to make because obviously at any end of a banking service needs to be a license holder and um, over those APIs they then help other companies to deliver financial products. Um, yeah, which could be loans, payments or accounts. Yeah, exactly. And I think
1: it's uh, like the whole banking as a service scene makes the, uh, is the, one of the biggest factors how, how banking is changing in general. Because basically how I see it is that you, in, when in, in former days you build up, you used to build up the whole setup by yourself. Um, you actually build it up now from different parts and different elements and different modulars and so on. And you can also, to certain certain extent, you can also pivot your offering within short period of time. You can find a service provider that offers exactly what you brought up, like credit cards yeah. better than you do. And then you actually go to a boss sir, service provider. And instead of doing it in-house, you actually can buy it as a service. Or yeah. um, a new service provider from a different industry, what you also brought up, can actually join the... Financial industry, with one individual products or two or three, by using one of these providers in the background, and I think that actually creates a whole different setup where, when kind of we used to consider financial industry um, only for the financial service providers, so now they can it can be like it's, it's somehow more foggy where the where yeah. the borderlines of the industry actually go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really super um, excited about this whole topic of embedded finance. I think it's really something that might be another wave that really changes the financial services industry in, in, yeah, in a massive way. Um, and for me, it really reminds, reminds me of this um, cloud kitchen trend. Exactly. So, the, the, I mean, the, uh, obviously, the, if you want to start a cool restaurant brand, Now you can actually, especially now during Corona times, um, obviously you can't rely on your physical restaurants. So what a lot of um, restaurant brands do is to take um, a cloud kitchen provider, which already gives you the license or a licensed kitchen basically with equipment um, and and you know existing relationships to food vendors exactly. and whatever you need. Quality, so quality, quality, and, quality uh, control. Yeah. Um, and I think especially the license uh, to, to basically cook and, uh, and sell the food to the public. And um, so you, you basically just focus on your value proposition, your menu and um, your positioning in the market. Um, food is obviously super contextual and uh, uh, culturally um, driven so so you can really focus on your value proposition go to the cloud kitchen provider who is basically your back-end provider in this sense and and start um, selling it over Deliveroo or the, the usual um, delivery platforms so and the banking as a service platform takes a similar role to any brand that wants to launch financial services which is I think a very interesting development, and um, a huge opportunity for any brand that basically um, already has an existing traction in the market, existing brand, existing customer base, whatever it is, from software as a service. Um, let's say an accounting software that already has hundreds of thousands of users, um, and offering them a more you know integrated customer experience by integrating payments, showing them um, transactions in their different and various bank accounts. Um, even offering them own cards for managing the spend of the employees or the company that's um, that's a super interesting play for any brand and um, accounting is just one example um, but obviously a lot of lifestyle brands, a lot of whatever it is, energy companies um, telcos, mobile in the, in the mobility segment for example um, that's a huge opportunity and, bef- and I think what we could talk about a little bit is that there's now this trend that Obviously, banking as a service providers, they work already like tech companies, so they make it super. E- ba- yeah, well, it's super easy to integrate. Um, obviously, it's not as easy as integrating to an API, but it's at least way more, um, or it's way easier to integrate through a banking as a service provider now than going to let's say an established, yeah. yeah, to an established bank. Um, what's your opinion on that? Yeah,
1: exactly. And I, well, that's a good point. Like the. Um Basically, the barriers of entering the market are nowadays extremely low yeah. because of these providers. So when in when in former days you maybe be or like, uh, if I think of banking, like beginning of 2000s, it's uh, this, uh, pre, it, you, I think it used to be called uh, banking inside. The, yeah. So there used to be the Intel Insight, uh, Intel brought this thinking to a computer and then it was called Intel Insight. Yeah. And I remember that in the beginning of 2000s, there was a discussion that banking should be, there should be like banking inside, which is kind of the same as embed, yeah. embedded finance thinking where you would bring the finance to the place where or the user experience or whatever the customer actually already likes to use. Yeah. But technically back then, it wasn't so easy to, or like, the, there was a really high barrier to get there because technical reasons, price pricing, uh, regulation and so on. And, and what these providers are now doing, they are kind of lowering the barrier, making it possible, like, accessible for new providers to get there. Yeah. And uh, I think that makes it really interesting. And another thing, what it actually makes is that um, not just entering the market, but also scalability. So like um, if you then find a new way to offer financial services through this provider within this secondary or like a third party uh, providers platform, uh, you can also scale it up super fast. Or if it looks like it doesn't uh, doesn't work, you can also kind of scale it down mm-hmm. relatively fast. When in in former days, like let's say ten years ago, fifteen years ago, even I'm sure there were companies who were thinking about it, yeah. but it always basically meant a two-year, five-year project and millions yeah. of euros to spend just to try it out. Yeah, and true. now you can actually just you know go to a. Uh, banking as a service provider. If you just uh, go to the sandbox. Exactly, yeah. you go to the sandbox, you try it out, you see how it works. If it works, then you scale it up. If yeah. it doesn't work, you scale it down. And the cost is just a fraction of, of what it used to be yeah. in Formulas. I think that's... Um, that's
0: making yeah. it more flexible and interesting to many providers. Yeah, yeah. I think to the, to your point of scalability, obviously, technically, probably it's way more uh, like obviously since the banking as a service providers built on on cloud and APIs and microservices, so I think that from that perspective, scalability is there. On the other hand. Um, the way I see it now, for example, in Germany with Solaris Bank, a lot of different propositions have come up now, from Tomorrow to Insha um, Trade Republic is, I think, also using um, Solaris Bank as their banking partner, and it's it's a really good way to scale up quickly in your home market. Yeah. Um, whereas um, if you have a successful product and you really want to expand into Europe, which any any fintech. Needs to do to be really a viable business, um, usually. Then, um, then I think having a banking as a service partner, that that's at, at least at the moment for me that's what I see as one of the um, barriers at the moment, since they don't offer, for example, IBans for every European country. You would you're still limited, for example, in Germany. True, with yeah. Bank you can only use your German IBan, yeah. and so on so inter like uh, there's probably not one banking as a service provider that really helps you scale across europe there are a lot of different ones inside the country different and, markets yeah inside yeah inside the different markets but um but of course that's that's just one of one, one point that um just came up to my mind as a as a high as a um maybe disadvantage but still they have lo- lowered the barrier of entry entry tremendously um obviously one of the typical providers um, everyone talks about is stripe um makita solaris bank rails bank Recently, um, there are new providers. Um, one in Spain is called HuBook, which is also uh, a partner of ross Public. And then of course, um, um, I heard of another one, which is called Swan in, um, ah, yeah. in France, yeah. which is basically offering the same proposition. So, And interestingly, most of those banking as a service offerings are started by experienced bankers that have seen this opportunity that actually um, you can use a license and an API to Help others build banking capabilities way more easy than than compared to the alternatives which you just described.
1: Yeah, what I what I'm still kind of waiting for, and I maybe it has been now slowly starting up, is that um, also banks themselves have started to use the banking as a service providers kind of support their offering when they exactly when they realize that hey we can't do this uh, like we are a bank, but actually this provider can offer us better. Better services, and then they just um, instead of doing it in house, they kind of expand it a little bit to yeah. to a, a partnership also with a with a banking as a service provider, and then through that one get something else faster, better yeah. uh, services for themselves. But I do think that there's also like a cultural uh, cultural uh, challenge or mindset, yeah. like uh, traditionally banks kept them to themselves to the very end, like everything was done in-house. You didn't talk to your competitors. Uh, you wanted to own the customer for yourself. You, they yeah. were kind of lifelong partnerships with the or customerships and uh, you build up your services based on that one and you, and you didn't want to share any of that with with your uh, competitors. Yeah, And I think the ones, especially for smaller banks kind of Challenger banks not the ne- ne- neo banks but like the challen- former older challenger banks might have actually really interesting opportunities to scale up now in yeah. this new world by using the banking as a service provider to support their offering and actually get to the same level as the bigger yeah. bigger providers
0: yeah absolutely um, okay so maybe just some to make this a little bit more tangible some examples which are interesting popping up now. Um, for example obviously every uh, everyone knows apple Card, which was launched recently um, yeah. in, in partnership with goldman sachs um so i think there are some banks that have really understood that this is a, a huge market opportunity and it's i think what's what's really exciting is that banks have assets that they're under underutilized in this whole api and cloud world which is a balance sheet which is a license which is um banking capabilities like payments cards and accounts um, which could be used as um, a super efficient banking as a service offering for other corporates in their home market
1: exactly and products they have the knowledge of the like let's say apple yep. I'm, I'm sure goldman sachs has a much better understanding of finance or products themselves than apple does but then apple maybe has a better brand for the customer end and better technical experience Yep. And how the customer experience should be, and if they join forces, you know, the knowledge of Goldman Sachs for the financial product side, yeah, and then the understanding of the customer experience or the customer expectations from Apple's side, uh, that creates a really interesting uh, partnership, like we exactly. can
0: bring yeah. in that setup. Yeah, and of course, that's uh, that's 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 exactly the point that Apple is best at value propositions that are customer facing. They're, they're all about innovation. They're all about user friendliness design and so on so they they, exactly. they they really they take care of the whole customer journey in detail and banks as we know are not the best ones at this so so for them um that is an interesting flavor they can lend out their their um what you just said their industry capabilities and knowledge and then let others um, build on that and um and i think that's and that's a good point because apple and i mean that's a huge example now because they Think about Apple Wallet and the Apple, um, yeah, the Apple Wallet application. They have hundreds of millions of users, which is a huge, huge customer base already globally. And of course, for them, adding those banking services like Apple Card is is a very interesting play from their yeah. from their side, also in terms of generating new revenue streams um, and getting more and more user data. Um, but one one really important point is that those tech companies they don't want to um, get involved in compliance. They, they don't want to get involved in AML um, KY, and, and KYC, KYC yeah. and all those, all those things. And that's that's one of the key propositions that I see in Banking as a Service, that those providers take care of that, that they, they give you different options of um, how to handle KYC, how to handle all the compliance and fraud um, regulations, um, so that you can really just uh, focus on the proposition that you want to build based on their infrastructure. Um, exactly. And if you think of uh... You
1: know, If you think of just from the customer's perspective, um, yeah. uh, let's say that you want to buy something online, you get this, you know, you get this really good feeling that I want to buy myself a new, let's say a new computer online, you go online, you get excited, you uh, read the reviews, you compare the prices, you yeah. find your the product, then you want to buy it. And then you suddenly need to jump kind of from that process to a bank's process by yeah. taking your, I don't know. Uh, turn numbers out or uh, go into another website to give a login and do the transaction and kind of you jump off your own process to the bank's process to go and pay it and then you return back to the experience and for sure like from customer's experience perspective that's really bad like yep. kind of you can't follow the same journey as you were supposed to whereas with the em- embedded finance thinking you can actually just have this smooth all the way through experience yeah. if it's done right, yeah. and then basically the payment payment follows. and And if you think of uh, uh, providers like Uber or uh, yeah. some of the food providers, it's actually really interesting that basically you order the service. Let's like, let's say Uber and the the journey itself. Yeah. Uh, you want to go somewhere. That's your key process. You want to go from A to B. Yeah. You get the car. The car is there. Uh, you sit in the car. You get out, and it's already paid. So that's kind of, that's. Uh, I think that's kind of em- embedded finance as it's as it's pure. Exactly. Yeah. That instead of this classical experience where you go to a cab, you stop, and then you wait for the cab driver to take out the payment. The uh, yeah. The, the pos yeah. from the from the. Um, Uh, from their pocket or wherever it is and then it takes ages or you need to calculate the cash you basically skip that because that's not part of your like you just want to get go from a to b and be be done with it yeah and uh, this is what embedded finance then allows you to do and create these experiences where it's all smooth all the way through without jumping from your core process as a customer to bank's process you just kind of continue and the financing follows.
0: Absolutely, and I think um, the Uber example is actually interesting because it shows this split in terms of the embedded finance opportunity that this can be customer-facing as well as um, uh, facing your internal operations to make them more streamlined. And uh, a, an example of Uber would be the invisible payments you get off the car, and you're you're already paid. So that's that's obviously a huge improvement in customer experience and, exactly. and makes makes that it makes it more frictionless. At the same time, Uber. Um, has partnered with BBVA's Banking as a Service platform for offering accounts, um, driver accounts in Mexico. So if you're, if you're an Uber driver, you get an own um, integrated uh, Uber account. So after your rides, um, all, all the money you earned is already um, showing up in your account. Yeah, and exactly. that is also connected to a card, which is uh, the infrastructure comes from BBVA. But of course, it's all under Uber's brand. And, um, and that's a huge proposition towards the drivers, which, which um, yeah, makes it much, much easier for them to manage the, the earnings they make with Uber. Um, yeah, it's instant. I think that's instant
1: both way through that. It's, you don't need to, as a driver, then you don't need to wait until the next week or the next month yeah. to get your money, but you can actually get it yeah at, it's at your disposal the yeah. second after you did the job yeah. yeah and i think that's actually a really key thing for uh, sharing economy uh, yeah. systems in general yeah that is basically allowing us to create these new services where you use a service you get uh, you do your thing with the share let's say cars or scooters or whatever yeah and uh it doesn't like your process doesn't stop along yep. the way, and also from the service providers uh or like the let's say that there's hum human doing the service for you, they also get paid straight away, yep instead yep. of kind of having these delays due to the banking yep. systems uh underneath yeah yep. um but what if we think of the the stack itself um what are the, like what would you say like what are the what are the services that a bank should do or the service provider should do themselves or is there Do you yeah. see some kind of logic for like what should you do in-house and what should you do externally or Does it differ yeah. by service provider?
0: Yeah, I think that really depends on, on um, The specific segment of the proposition, of course um, I think a lot of companies outside of financial services They just want to take care of the user interface interface the customer journey um, and building their brand um, yeah. integrating different financial services products and uh, I think that's that's a good point because I think the knowledge in the market outside of financial services, let's say you, you integrate cards because your con your, your you know your um target group spend a lot or somehow spending and money management is involved in your customer journey and you want to make it easier by integrating cards but a lot of these companies have no clue about card systems interchange revenue um you know uh, all those different things that that you need to educate them first and make sure that they understand this business model behind it and, and what's the value is but um so i think in the best case in order to really make moves in the market, the banking as a service provider should, should um, offer everything, um, or especially related to the banking services so that it makes it as easy as possible for non-financial services uh, companies to, to integrate it. Um, I'm not sure if they, if they would you know, hire in-house compliance experts and so on. So I think that in the best case should be done by the banking as a service provider. Yeah. Um, and of course then there's uh, this other layer the deepest one which is the license holder um, which uh, which is uh, yeah the provider who who um, then offers the banking license so um, that's that's of course the deepest level so that's that's uh, the, in, if you think about the stack the one that obviously the banking as a service provider or one of the partners should then provide
1: exactly and I how I see it is that
0: <clears throat> it's getting
1: um, more and more important that you, as a service provider, see what your core is, where you're good at, yeah. basically other parts which you can outsource, you buy as a service in, or like you basically buy it from a banking as a service provider. Yeah. And uh, and then you try to compare, or like it, then you try to think it in a way that, okay, I think there should be some kind of pros and cons mapping, uh, yeah. figuring out if, the, if it makes sense to do it in-house or up, uh, externally. Yeah. And then uh, what is nice about the service providers that you are not committed, usually you're not committed for a super long time with them. So you can pilot, you can try yeah. it, you can do the sandbox, you can test it out. Yeah. If it doesn't work, you can drive it down. If it works, you can scale it up. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, service providers should just give it a try in a more open way and, yeah. and then learn from it and then get further, further uh, to either direction. And another thing, what I wanted to actually talk about the, like, um, if I go again back in time, um, white labeling has been there. Uh, White labeling has been there since quite a while. and I remember already, I think, end of 90s, beginning of 2000s, banks offered, uh, for example, co-branded cards. So they joined forces with, uh, known brands and then put co-branded cards together. Like, yeah. what do you see the difference between banking as a service and that setup? Is this just a new name for the white labelling services, or
0: yeah, yeah? I think that's that's the biggest difference is really what what we briefly touched upon already, which is that um, the banking as a service just makes it much easier in a plug-and-play fashion to integrate um, cards, payments, accounts. Um, you, it's it's yeah like the barrier of entry is so much easier than compared to going to a traditional bank where you first need to get a sales rep. Um, it takes weeks and weeks of RFPs and contracts and uh, a lot of up like uh, I think um, what a lot of brands underestimate is the investments you need to make in order to get this launched together with a traditional bank. And of course, if you're already a tech-minded company. You want to use APIs for it. You want to use um, maybe a sandbox first to see how this how yeah how this works out. Um, and the traditional banks they don't offer that really. And and uh, I think this whole white labeling concept, um, yeah, well the whole infrastructure behind that as well was built for a traditional bank partnering up with a huge corporate. In, in in a big deal i think in typical that was in the telco space like exactly like like the, yeah like orange a- airlines and, and airlines so. and car manufacturers um but of course um yeah i see i see a huge difference in this banking as a service so yeah, yes
1: yeah. yeah i think i think so as well i think the technology is on a different level and this um a, you know again apis have been there also since i don't know decades yeah. like as a technology but i think the setup like the mindset and That you basically build up your organization uh, towards this that you have already people and it's it's kind of all of the processes are already in place that if somebody knocks on our door we can deliver the the ability to our partner within weeks instead of years or months
0: exactly yeah and um i think two two traditional banks um to sum it up as well um that really stand out in this whole banking as a service trend Um, is bbva as well as goldman sachs so bbva has built this bbva open platform which is a standalone unit um, that offers cards payments deposits verification apis Um, and one of the you know the case study that everyone talks about is uber in mexico i'm not sure if that is if that is yeah i haven't seen any data if how, how many drivers actually use this account and so on but it, it is a good case study that really uh, can be used as a good benchmark to see how how this can play out when bank, banks partner up with tech companies and goldman sachs is of course um investing a lot in building up new units um for for yeah that use new digital infrastructure Marcus, which is a hugely successful um, brand uh, of by launched by Goldman Sachs, is already built upon this new cloud-based infrastructure that is highly scalable, built on APIs, and um, obviously the partnership between Goldman and Apple uh, has been uh, exemplified as well as one of the biggest uh, embedded banking um, yeah offerings that is built on banking as a service. Um, but BBVA and Goldman Sachs are are uh, I think <laughs> very very specific examples, and of course, there are many other banks that are wondering: Is this banking as a service and embedded finance just a trend? Will it is it just popping up, or is it will it disappear again? Um, what, what do you think? What 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 do traditional banks need to do in order to launch such offerings, or if they evaluate if that would be uh, an interesting opportunity for them? Are there any pros and cons or anything? Yeah, I think
1: actually, uh, I think it's a really good question, there, and I would say that. The traditional banks should go through their offering and through their um, um, setup in a way. Try try to really figure out if the services they do or the uh, services they provide, if those should be done internally or externally. Yeah. Because um, they're quite sure that if you're a bigger provider, there are actually companies who are specialized to do certain parts of the value chain and they can do it better than you do because yep. uh, again if i think of a traditional bank or so on the way you used to do everything in-house you have this massive wide uh, offering of different products and different services and processes in place yep. and if there's a new provider who has con who is concentrating only on one part of that for sure the assumption is that they are actually better in that specific niche Yep. Uh, product line than you are because they just do that stuff and they are super good in that thing yep. so if you try to kind of spread spread your resources all over the place quite sure you can't do everything as good as a provider who does only an individual thing yep. and uh, <clears throat> one thing what I was actually thinking what we could discuss is uh, is is um, uh, Huubuk as well, like yeah. briefly that um, as, a, as a benchmark or like an example of a service provider, um, what do you see, uh, what could you use Huubuk for, for
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so Huubuk is, I think, a super interesting proposition there. Um, they're building out a new, um, yeah, banking as a service offering that is not only targeting financial services, fin yeah, like financial services players like fintechs. If you look at Solaris Bank, Rails Bank, Um, A lot of the early banking as a service um, offer or banking as a service players, they are powering fintechs. Um, So they're powering players that have uh, that are sh- just building a banking front end and um, and and want to be a bank, basically uh, a modern neobank. bank. And what Hubug is now offering um, is um, a banking as a service um, solution for non-financial services companies. So any brand that wants to embed banking, what we just talked about, um, obviously Apple is doing it, um, Uber is doing it, uh, Shopify, uh, Google, and so on. But um, but they're huge tech companies, and they always find uh, everyone would like to offer uh, or to team up with them. What, what BBVA and Goldman is doing. But if you're a small SaaS company in Spain or in Germany or in France, um, you, you, yeah, like how how many options do you have to embed banking? You you go to a traditional bank, and then you get uh, run into the challenges that we just talked about. So um, so Hubeuk is 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 trying to solve that by offering uh, APIs that you can um, that you can use to integrate. One, uh, yeah, I think there are three big um, opportunities, which is around cards, accounts, and payments, and of course related to payments and accounts, also the PSD2 aggregation and um, and all the opportunities that come with PSD2.
1: Exactly, and I think it's also, um, yeah, that, that's a good point. That it's it's not only about uh, cost saving, but it's also uh, it might. Give you an access to a whole new revenue stream yeah. through kind of revenue sharing with that service provider, but hey, if we sum up, um, what would you say? Um, what are the three things to like? How how should you get started? Um, yeah, like what what should you do? Like what's the what's the key for uh, yeah. deciding deciding? Um, where to go.
0: Yeah, like. I, yeah I think definitely if you're, if you're any brand that wants to play with banking, uh, there have been huge headlines that any brand is a fintech. Yeah I think that's uh, bullshit <laughs> so um, not everyone will integrate banking services just for the sake of it I think there needs to be a clear market opportunity and what you just mentioned uh, for example if you're offering cards you can you can capture the interchange which can be a significant revenue stream if you have a lot of end, end customers in Europe so so I think there are um, definitely, monetary opportunities to, to get tap into new revenue streams. There are um, indirect um, revenue opportunities because, as we know, banking services are extremely sticky. So, if you have an account somewhere, if you have a card somewhere, that that definitely increases retention of your users and um, can drive up um, the usage of your product. Um, that's, for example, why all the accounting software as a service companies are already integrating with business banking and are playing around with offering cards and offering payments as well. Um, so so that's, that's like the first step, you need to look at your customer base, you need to look at the customer journey from a holistic perspective and decide, is there an opportunity for us to improve our customers' lives, to solve some, came, uh, some key pain, pain points that they have by integrating banking. That's the first step. And, if you, and then you need to check which, what sort of banking services, um, how would we integrate that in, into our customer journey? And the business model behind it of course um, that's another another big opportunity or a big field to look at and um, then if you've decided what's what sort of banking offering you want to integrate and um, and how how you would imagine how the revenue model would play out of course then you need to see what banking as a service player is a label is available in your region Um, so far many of them are Quite, I think, restricted to the home market. Like Solaris Bank is the key player in Germany. Then, in I think, in the UK, it will probably be Rails Bank. Um, and of course, there are now different ones popping up in in, in France and Spain as well, with Hubuck. Um, and yeah, I think there are a lot of questions to be answered. Like if what we also talked about if who's the license holder Um solaris bank is also a licensed bank so they provide the license as well um, but if you're all about card issuing for example and you want to use makita for that um, they don't offer a banking license so where do you get that from so and suddenly you, you get a lot of questions um, that you need to solve beforehand but i think it definitely starts with the customer value and um, thinking about how you can make your customer journey more frictionless how you can improve your product and um, then finding the right provider and the right provider set up for it. Um, that would be like a, my, my, my key recommendation, definitely.
1: Exactly. And I think for,
0: <clears throat> for in- incumbent bank- banks and uh,
1: traditional players, I think it's, uh, it's basically sums up to three things that uh, first, you need to have the leadership uh, and understanding of the, of the new world. Like, and the leadership needs to be committed yep. uh, to change and go to, towards the new things. Uh, you need to have the organis- organisational structure and the setup. So you need to now. It really easily goes to a technical discussion where it's actually a business decision in my eyes to make that yeah. you you build up your operations. To support this way of thinking yeah and then lastly but not least you obviously need to have the technical capability so either yeah. you need to build it up yourself you need to use a provider in between yeah to get there but you need to be technically capable of doing these things you can't jump from the legacy setup or even from the updated legacy setup to this world yeah, uh, if you don't have these uh, elements in place yeah but yeah, thanks. That was uh, about uh, Banking as a Service and Embedded Finance.
0: Absolutely. And I'm no looking show. forward definitely to um, our uh, podcast episode with Hubook to get a, a little bit more in, in, in um, yeah, a deep dive into how they have set up their Banking as a Service program now and how they help non-financial services companies to integrate banking into their customer journeys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.